You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Well, we're delighted to be here tonight. I'm Craig Burcham. I'm the pastor of Mountain Vista Baptist Church in Sierra Vista, Arizona. You say, where is that at? Close to nowhere. All right. Uh, we're up in the mountains, almost on the Mexican border. We're about 5,000 feet elevation. So when you read about Arizona and you hear about all the heat, uh, that's mostly not us. We may hit triple digits once in a while. Uh, but I'll tell you this, I have sweat more since I walked into Corpus Christi <laughs> than I did the last week in Arizona. And uh, we're just not used to humidity. It's very dry there. And uh, of course, my wife and I, we, we walked out. When we walked out of the airport, we could see the doors were all fogged up. And I said, this is not going to be good. <laughs> And uh, she said, I can't see, I can't see, my glasses are all fogged up. And I said, well, that's uh, part of living in this area. But it's certainly good to be here. And I know Pastor Che cannot be here, but I want to thank him. And I want to thank you for the invitation to come. I have looked forward to this opportunity. And uh, I appreciate all that you have done for us, for getting us here and taking care of us, a beautiful room, uh, a gift basket that I think we're probably going to have to go knock on doors and get people to help us consume, uh, because you can tell I've consumed enough probably already. Uh, But thank you for everything, and thank you for being here tonight. I know there's a temptation in most places when the pastor is not there for the people to kind of have a tendency to say, well, I don't need to be there. Uh, But you don't know, because you've never been a pastor, many of you, you you would not know what it means to a pastor to know his people are where they should be, even when he cannot be there. Uh, And I speak from a pastor's heart, a pastor's perspective, and uh, so thank you for being here tonight. I want you to take your Bible, and I want you to turn to the book of Exodus in chapter number 3. The book of Exodus chapter number 3 this evening. And uh, we're going to read just a few verses, and I want to give you a thought that I hope will do more than just be an encouragement tonight. I hope it is something that you will take with you uh, for the rest of your life, Uh, because I believe that's exactly what God put it in His Word for, was this was something that God will see. God will say specifically, this is what you need to remember Moses, he's talking to Moses, and Moses, this is what you need to remember from this point forward. And he says, for every generation. We're in Exodus chapter number 3 and verse number 11. Follow along silently as I read aloud. Of course, Moses has appeared. Uh, to. He's come to the burning bush, and the Lord has appeared, and the Lord has spoken with him, and uh, the Lord has given him some direction. Verse number 11, and Moses said unto God... Who am I that I should go into Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. 
And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the joy of being in your house with your people this evening. Lord, how our hearts have been encouraged and strengthened as we fellowshiped and as we've uh, heard the hymns sung and our hearts have been encouraged and strengthened as we've been reminded um, that there are many things that you have not promised, but you have promised strength for the day. You have promised to meet our needs. And Lord, we take great confidence and great encouragement in that truth. Now, Lord, as we look to your word, we pray that you would open our eyes that we might see, open our ears that we might hear, but most of all, open our hearts that we might receive that which you have for us. May you be honored and glorified and may your people be helped. We'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. For we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake, Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Our text for this hour comes from a very familiar passage of Scripture. I think we probably are all well acquainted with the account of Moses' experience at the burning bush. And uh, it, it was there that he met the Lord and he was commissioned uh, with the assignment to deliver the Israelites from Egyptian bondage. And I'm particularly interested in the portion of this chapter which we have read for our text this evening. When Moses asked the question, what shall I say to the children of Israel when they inquire as to what is my authority for coming to say that I'm going to lead you out of Egyptian bondage? If they inquire about my authority to undertake this great task, what shall I say unto them? Verse number 15. And God said, moreover unto Moses, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel. Now here's his authority. The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. That's Moses' authority. He is coming in the name of the Lord. He is the representative of God. But I want you to notice that God does not end with that statement. He goes on to add a couple of additional things. By the way, that is very interesting that he says, I'm the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. That tells me several things. First of all, he's the God of successive generations. Just as he was the God of Abraham, so he was the God of Isaac, and he was the God of Jacob. And could I just say, no matter what age demographic you may be in, you do not need a new God or a different God or another God, the same God of your fathers and the God of your grandfather and the God of your great-grandfather. He is still the God of this generation as well. Not only is he the God of successive generations, he's the God of differing personalities. Abraham was not like Isaac. And Abraham nor Isaac were like Jacob. They were all unique. They were all different. They were all individuals. Well, here's the good news tonight. You don't have to be like someone else in order for God to be your God. God is interested in you. God made you as you are. God gave you the personality that you have. And God created you because God wants a relationship with you. 
Not only is He the God of successive generations, the God of differing personalities, He's the God of individual relationships. He's as the God of Abraham. Abraham and I had a relationship. But He says, also I was the God of Isaac, and Isaac and I had a relationship. But also I was the God of Jacob, and Jacob and I had a relationship. And here's the good news. God wants to have a relationship with you. You say, well, I'm young. That's okay. God wants to have a relationship with young people. You say, well, I'm old. Well, that's fine because God wants to have a relationship with old people. You say, well, I'm in between. That's fine because God wants to have a relationship with people who are in between. It doesn't matter whether you're rich, poor, male, female, educated, uneducated, talented, have no talents or abilities. God wants to have an individual relationship with you just as he did with Abraham and just as he did with Isaac and just as he did with Jacob. But I want you to notice the end of this verse. He said, this is my name forever. And this is my memorial Unto all generations. Psalm 135, verse number 13 says, Thy name, O Lord, endureth forever, and thy memorial, O Lord, throughout all generations. Now, isn't that interesting? God gives this statement I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And by the way, this exact statement, this exact phrase, is found exactly seven times in your Bible. It's found both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, every time it's found, it is spoken by God himself. No man ever says he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's only when God speaks, he identifies himself as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. By the way, in the New Testament, every time except one, when it's spoken, it's spoken by Jesus Christ who is God in the flesh. The only exception that you find to this statement being uh, having come from the lips of God, either God in the Old Testament or Christ God incarnate in the New Testament, the only exception is you find Stephen in his sermon preaching and literally what he is doing is he is quoting what God has said. He says, the Lord said, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So basically we could say that no one else uses this statement except God. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? And then God makes this addendum to it. He said, this is my memorial. He said, it's a memorial for all, unto all generations, and it is a memorial forever. Psalm 135, verse number 13, this is thy memorial, O Lord, throughout all generations. Now, you know what a memorial is, don't you? It's something that is put in place to remind us of things. Perhaps we have a loved one and we've, uh, they have made their journey to eternity. They have died there with Christ. We go to the cemetery and we put up a marker and that is a memorial. When we go there, if we visit there, we're reminded of events that happened when they were here. We're reminded of what they gave to us. We're reminded of experiences that we had with them. Uh, here in Corpus Christi, you have the USS Lexington. What is that? That is a memorial. It reminds us of men and women who have served, and it gives us an actual opportunity to walk across uh, areas that they actually used in the midst of a conflict defending our freedom and our liberties. I think we all understand a memorial. God said, this is my memorial. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. 
and I'm the God of Jacob. So here's the question, what does God want us to remember about him? Here's what God wants us to remember. God says, first of all, when you think of me, I want you to remember that I'm the God of Abraham. If you're making notes, write this down. He says, I direct to the invisible. You know, Abraham was a man who was characterized by his faith. The Bible says this, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 8, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he went. Now, a number of years ago, I was serving on staff at a church in Michigan. I was an associate pastor. And somebody asked me one time, they said, what's the difference between an assistant pastor and an associate pastor? I had to think about it. I said, well, this. I said, it's always better to be an associate than assistant. Assistant has to assist. An associate just hangs out with the pastor. I mean, he's an associate. He just, he just kind of hangs out there. So, uh, so if you're looking for a position, always try to find out if you can be an associate pastor, not the assistant pastor, all right? Uh, I was serving on staff there, and I felt like God wanted me to go into the ministry. God wanted it full-time as a pastor. God wanted me to pastor somewhere. I had no idea where. I didn't know uh, which direction to turn. And, and so I'd been praying about it, and i just kind of come to this conclusion. And I, I kind of knew it in my heart. And, and so I told my wife, I said, now, dear, I've been praying about this. And uh, this was, I think, was in October. I said, now, at the end of the year, I'm going to resign. I said, uh, I believe God wants me to pastor, and, and we're going to leave this place, and we're going to find a church, and, and I'm going to take up uh, pastoring and see what the Lord does. And she asked me this, this great question. She said, where are we going? Now, I'm going to give you some advice. If your wife ever asks you that question, do not respond in the way I did. Here's what I said. I don't know. Now, that, that was not a good response. I, you know, if I'd have been more mature and older, I would have had more understanding about how to approach that. But I didn't know. You know, I just like the bull in the china shop. And I just said, this is what God wants to do. This is what we're going to do. Where are we going? I have no idea. Well, that concerned her. I mean, we only had four kids. You know, no big deal. You know, no job, no income, no prospects. And, uh, and so that concerned her a little bit. And uh, you will not believe this. I believe that was on Friday, maybe something like that. On Sunday, we go to church. We're sitting in church on Sunday. And the pastor stands up and he says, I'm going to read my text. And he said, my text is Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out, not knowing whether he went. Now, I know you're more spiritual than I am. But I'll tell you exactly, and she's sitting right there. She will vouch for this. Here's exactly what I did. I gave her the spiritual elbow. And you know what? She took it as from the Lord. She said, well, I, I mean, why else would the pastor choose that verse to preach from that morning? Because God knew exactly what we needed in our life. And at the right time, God gave the right word. God says this of Abraham. He went out not knowing whether he went. God is a God who asks us to walk by faith. 
We are people who want to walk by sight. We want to have it planned out. We want to have it figured out. And I'm not opposed to planning. I'm not opposed to figuring. But could I just say you can't plan everything God does and you can't figure out everything God does. And you're going to have to be willing. I'm going to have to be willing to step out by faith. And God says, when you think of me, I want you to remember I'm the God of Abraham. I direct you to the invisible. Have you ever thought about really, in a sense, everything about the Christian life is an act of faith? Is that not what salvation was? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We simply took God at his word. God said, if you will come and ask me, I will save you. We didn't know if it would work. We had never tried it before. We had no experience in it. But guess what we did? We heard what other people said. They encouraged us to do it. We took God at his word and we took a step of faith and we said, God, I'm going to trust you. And guess what? Everyone who comes that way, he saves he that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. He has a 100% success rate. Our salvation is a step of faith. You know, really, our surrender is a step of faith. When you surrender your life to God, by the way, that is a very important step. In fact, I think that is, that is the most important step outside of salvation that a Christian can make. If I had time, we'd go to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world. Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, here's the thing. Many times we get those steps out of order. You see, the first step is salvation. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Here's the second step. That you present your body a living sacrifice. And then we get to the third step, which is separation. Now, here's our problem. We try to practice separation before we're surrendered. And we wonder why we struggle at it. You struggle at it because you've never surrendered. Can I say when you surrender, you take the car keys of your life and you hand them to the Lord and you say, my life is not mine to control anymore. It is yours. You tell me where. You tell me when. You tell me who. You tell me why. You tell me what. And whatever you say, you're the boss. And can I tell you, when you take that step of faith, and by the way, that's a big step of faith, because you never know where he's going to lead you. I'm reminded of the story of Dr. Bill Rice III. Dr. Bill Rice III is the director of the Bill Rice Ranch. And uh, he tells the story of how growing up that uh, his dad had spent time in Africa as a missionary. And growing up, he had heard those stories. He'd heard of those things. And he used to come to the altar and he'd surrender his life to the Lord. And he'd say, Lord, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything you want me to do except be a missionary in Africa. And God wouldn't accept it. He'd go back and his heart would be troubled. He'd be unrest. And uh, a few services later, he'd come to the altar and he'd pray. And he'd, he'd tell the Lord he'd do anything. He'd go anywhere except Africa. He said one day, he said, I told the Lord, really, Lord, all I want to do is I want to stay right here. I want to I work at the ranch. I've grown up here. I love it. I love working with young people. And that's all I'd like to do. And God wouldn't give him any peace. Finally, one Sunday, he said he couldn't stand any longer. I think he was 17, 18, 19 years old. He came to the altar and he said, Lord, I'll go anywhere. I surrender my life to you. I'll go anywhere, even Africa. That was on a Sunday night. On Monday morning, his dad called him into his office. 
He said, Bill, he said, I've been thinking, I've been praying for a long time. He said, I just couldn't get peace about it. But he said, I got peace about it last night. And he said, I just wonder, would you be interested in taking over running the ranch? You see, it was not that God wanted him to go to Africa. It was that God wanted him to be willing to go to Africa. See, that's a step of faith when you surrender your life to the Lord. Separation is a step of faith. Our service is a step of faith. I mean, I could go right down the list of everything in the Christian life is based on faith. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. You say, why doesn't God explain everything to us? Why doesn't God help us to understand? Why doesn't God make it plain? Because if he did, we could not be pleasing to him. Because apart from faith, it is impossible to please God. And God wants us to be pleasing to him. So he requires in our life a certain amount of faith. And God says, when you think of me, when you consider me, when you remember me, remember I am the God of Abraham, I direct to the invisible. You see, we don't know where the path may lead. but We can have confidence because we know the person by whom we're led. And he never leads us astray. Joseph saw the pit and the prison. And all the time God was seeing the palace. Naomi saw bereavement down there in Moab. But all the time God was seeing blessing that he planned for her if she got back to Bethlehem, Judah. The early church saw persecution. But God saw propagation as they went. They that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the gospel. God has a plan. You don't have to understand his plan. You don't have to know his plan. By the way, his plan doesn't even have to make sense to you. Because it makes sense to him. Remember this, his ways are not our ways. Here's what I've figured out. Usually I think, what would I do? How would I handle this? And then I do the opposite. And that's usually close to what God would do. Why? Because my ways are not his ways. My thoughts are not his thoughts. God says, I want you to remember this. When you think of me, remember I'm the God who directs to the invisible. I ask you to walk by faith. Not only do you say, I'm the God of Abraham... But he said this, he said, when you think of me, remember, I'm the God of Isaac. Not only does he direct to the invisible, but he says, I want you to remember this. I'm the God who does the impossible. I'm the God of Isaac. You realize that the life of Isaac was a series of impossibilities. I mean, just trace it out. What about the matter of his birth? I mean, think about it. How many kids do you know that were born when their father was 99 and their mother was 90? I mean, there was no artificial insemination. There was, there was, you know, there were no fertility treatments. There was none of this stuff. I mean, it was, su it was such a ludicrous idea that when God told Abraham, I'm going to give you a son, Abraham laughed. Genesis chapter number 17, verse number 17. Then God came back to talk to Abraham again. Sarah's listening in the tent, and God tells Abraham, and Sarah laughs. God said, okay. You think it's so funny, you're going to have a child and you're going to name him Isaac. You know what Isaac means? Laughter. God said, I'll have the last laugh. You can laugh and you can laugh, but I'll laugh at the end. I mean, that's an impossibility. I, I, I mean, I, can you imagine being 90 years old and, and, and you know, buying bottles and diapers and uh, planning on staying up all night and all that kind of stuff? I mean, I'm, I'm not close to being 90 years old, even though I may look like it. 
my wife looks so young. This is my wife over here. I told somebody the other day, they said, she looks so young and, and you don't look so young. I said, you can tell who worries about who. She doesn't have a worry about me at all, but I'm very concerned about her. That's what's made me age so much. Now, you, you have to get used to this because I always pick on my wife and she knows I, we've been married for almost for 32 years, going on 33 years. And uh, she would think I was angry at her if I didn't pick on her. She'd think there was something wrong. And uh, so we, you know, don't, uh, don't panic. Don't say, oh, he's going to be in trouble tonight. No, I'd be in trouble if I didn't do it. <laughs> Truth of it is, I mean, I, I'm nowhere close to 90 and I cannot imagine. We, we went on vacation a few uh, weeks ago and uh, we, we have six grandchildren, all six and under. We have three that are, we have three that are what? Oh, we have seven. You see, I can't even count. There's so many. I just, I knew it's more than a handful. All right. We have seven. We have three that are under one. So the kids decided, all the, all of our kids decided, and their spouses decided they're going to go to amusement park. They're going to take the ones who are big enough and grandma and grandpa get to babysat all the little. We had four. We had a three-year-old and two one-year-olds and a six-week-old or 12-week-old, four-month-old, something old. <laughs> they, were as, they were as good as gold, honestly. But, whew, I mean, that, that six, eight hours, I thought it was a couple months. <laughs> I mean, I love them. But God gave them parents. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> now, I cannot imagine being 90 years old as a mother, being 99 years old as a father and having a baby. You know what? That is absolutely impossible. But God's the God who does that kind of thing. He's the God who does the... I mean, think about not just the matter of his birth, but think about Isaac and the matter of the burnt offering. That was a miracle. Remember Abraham, Genesis chapter 22, God says, hey, I want you to go take your son. I want you to offer him on the mountain for uh, where I'm going to tell you, you offer him for a burnt offering. And Abraham gets his son and, and they travel and they leave the servants at the bottom of the hill. And as they start the hill, he tells his servants, he says this, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and will come again. I mean, that was, that, that was Abraham, a man of faith. He believed with all of his heart. That if he plunged the knife into the breast of his son, that God was going to raise him from the dead. Now, how could he believe that? You realize at that point in time, nobody had been raised from the dead in human history? I mean, how in the world? Where did Abraham get that faith? Well, if you read, uh, I think it's Romans chapter 4, you'll find that Abraham already had seen two resurrections. Not of, uh, of someone being dead and being raised, but of things being dead. The Bible says he considered not his own body being dead, and he considered not the deadness of Sarah's womb. He said if God could resurrect that womb and God could resurrect my physical body, certainly God could resurrect my son. That'd just be another thing for God to do. And they went up to the mountain, and as they went up, he knew that he was going to plunge his knife into this, uh, his son, but God intervened. And of course, we know there was a ram caught in a thicket. They offer that. They come back down. That was a miracle of God. It, was, it would be an impossibility for Abraham to go and worship according to the dictates of God and come back with his son, but he did. By the way, have you ever thought about this? Think about Isaac in the matter of his bride. 
You talk about an impossibility. Go read Genesis 24 sometime. I mean, it wasn't mail order. It was servant, go pick out a bride. Now, how many of you young people would be in favor of your mom or dad just going and picking out a mate for you? Wow. You must have a lot of sketchy parents. You don't even trust your parents to go pick out your your future wife, your future husband. I mean, that's kind of scary. Well, what if it's just random? This wife is somebody that works for your dad. That'd be even better, wouldn't it? And that's exactly what happened. Abraham calls his servant. He says, hey, you know, Isaac's getting up in years and uh, he needs a wife. There's nobody around here. You just go find him one. Go back to our country that we're from. Go find him one. Servant looks around and he thinks, I'm in big trouble. Because you know if something happens to Abraham, you know who takes over the family business, don't you? It's Isaac. And if I pick a bad one, what happens to me? So he did what you always do when you're faced with a difficult situation. He just simply prayed. He said, Lord, you know, I've got to pick out a bride for him. I have no clue. I don't know if he likes tall, short, thick, thin, old, young. You know, I, I have blonde, auburn. I, I have no idea. So, Lord, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come up, and I'm going to ask for a drink of water. And whoever, if there's a girl that you want him to marry, just tell her, have her say, I'll water, give you a drink of water. Not only that, I'll water all your camels. And guess what God did? God did exactly that impossible thing. And then he goes to her house. Now, remember, they can't FaceTime each other. I mean, he doesn't even have a Polaroid picture. Maybe he had an artist sketch or something or another. I don't know. He just says, hey, here's a few things. That I'll, I'll tell you something about. And by the way, you know that sounds very sketchy to us, doesn't it? What if a stranger showed up at your door and said, you know, my, my master's son is looking for a wife. And uh, here's some tokens. Would, would you like to just travel with me? How many of you girls would just like volunteer? Yeah, exactly. They, they looked at her and they said, will thou go with this man? She said, I'll go. And she did. I mean, you talk about an impossibility. That is an absolute impossibility apart from God. But that's what God does. God does the impossible. I'm going to tell you, you can mark at it in your life and know when you think of God that, yes, he directs to the invisible because I ask you to walk by faith. But God will then do the impossible as you step out and believe him. Several weeks ago, I, I took this church and, and there are a lot of things that just need to happen. They'd been without a pastor for several months and they were just trying to, uh, you know, hold things together, so to speak. And, and the Lord put us together and I got there and I looked and, you know, it was a good independent Baptist church. Their church van was 20 years old, 200 almost 80,000 miles on it. Everybody's afraid to drive it outside of the church because it might break down. I mean, good independent Baptist church, you know. And so I said, uh, I said, fellas, one of the things we need to do is we need to replace this van. And we talked about it. We decided we didn't want to, I mean, the price of used vehicles now, we didn't want to buy a used one because most 15-passenger vans that you buy used, they've been beat to death, uh, you know, by a rental car company or somebody else. So I said, let's just buy a new one. They said, well, how? we said somewhere between fifty dollars and $60,000 buy a new van. Well, we have a congregation about half the size of yours. 
you know, we're not, we're not a rich church. And so we presented a business meeting. I said, this is what the trustees and myself, we feel like this is the plan. They said, right, preacher, if you think that's what we do, ought to do, let's, let's just do that. And, and so I left the auditorium. We had a fellowship afterward, the business meeting. We had a fellowship afterwards, and we were out there eating. And uh, one of my trustees come, and I, I saw him do this. That's, that's usually not a good sign. I said, what's up? He said, I need to see you in your office. That's like even a less good sign. When I opened the office door, there to the two other trustees. I thought, this is not good. So he walked in, and I was, I was braced for it. And he said, well, he said, I just want to tell you that uh, after the service, so-and-so walked up to me and asked me again how much that van would be, somewhere between fifty dollars and $60,000. And they said, well, just order it, and we'll pay for it. I said, could you say that one more time? <laughs> he said, they said, uh, just order it. And we'll pay for it. And I said, now, who was this? And they told me, I said, I don't even know who that is. They said, oh, you probably wouldn't know them because they're not members. You say, what? That's impossible. Yeah, I know, but I know the one, the God who does the impossible. I mean, I could tell you story after story. My life has been a story of impossibilities. Why? Because God who asks you to walk by faith also says, I'm the God who can do what cannot be done. God, any rivers you think are uncrossable. God, any mountains you can't tunnel through. God specializes in things thought impossible. He does the things others cannot do. There is no person he cannot save. There is no prayer that he cannot answer. There's no problem that God cannot solve. There's no promise that he cannot keep. And there is no place that God cannot send revival. I want to say we have to get hold of this truth. God says when you think about me, remember I'm the God of Abraham. I direct to the invisible. But I'm also the God of Isaac. I do what's impossible. Believe me, I can do it. Put your faith and trust in me and be obedient. And you will be astounded at what I will do if you'll lean upon me. He says, I'm the God of Abraham. I direct to the invisible. I'm the God of Isaac. I do the impossible. But then he says this. You know, I'm glad that he's the God of Abraham because there's a whole lot of times I don't understand what he's doing and I can just walk by faith. I'm glad he's the God of Isaac because there's a lot of big problems in my life that I need solved. There's a lot of people that I need God to reach that there's no way I can reach them. There's some prayers that are so big that there's no way they can be answered unless God gets involved. But I'll be honest with you. I like this one the best. You see, I'm the God of Abraham. I direct to the invisible. I'm the God of Isaac. I do the impossible. But he said, I'm the God of Jacob. I deal with the imperfect. You know, that's exactly who Jacob was. Jacob was a crook. Jacob was a swindler. Jacob was a cheat. But God called him. Genesis chapter number 28. God changed him in Genesis chapter number 32. Sometime read about Jacob wrestling with the angel of God in Genesis chapter 32. When Jacob had that encounter with God, by the way, you ought to study out sometime people who had an encounter with God in the Bible. There are many lessons that can be learned. For example, in this situation, Moses has an encounter with God. You know what brought Moses to this encounter with God? 
He was a shepherd who was concerned for the well-being of the flock that belonged to somebody else. And that burden drove him to the place where he had an encounter with God. Every one of you young men, if God has called you to preach, you ought to be so concerned with the well-being of the flock that belongs not to you but belongs to him. And they're being fed and maintained that it ought to drive you on a regular basis to have an encounter with God. Jacob has an encounter with God. When Jacob leaves that encounter with God, God changed him. God gave him two different things. When he left, he had a new name. Remember what God asked him? I mean, he wrestles all night with the angel of the Lord. And then the Bible says that uh, Jacob says, uh, God says, let me go. Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go except you bless me. And God says, what is your name? Like God's wrestled with him all night and doesn't know who it is. Now, that, that could be true of me. I mean, I might wrestle with somebody, especially if I didn't have my glasses. I wouldn't have a clue who they are. I went to get glasses, and I was in high school, and I told the doctor, I said, I don't, I don't want glasses. He said, well, you got two choices, son. You can get a dog or glasses. Which one you want? I'm like, I guess I'll take glasses then. It's easier to clean up after. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm blind. I, I could wrestle all night with somebody and not, not know who they were, but not God. Why did God ask him, what is your name? Because here's what God wanted. God wanted him to confess. God wanted him to admit who he was. As soon as he said, I am Jacob, I am a cheat, I am a swindler, I am a crook, God said, your name's going to be called no more Jacob, but I'm going to call you Israel. I'm going to make you a prince with God. He went away with a new name. And by the way, God touched the hollow of his thigh. And he limped from that day forward. He went away with a new name and a new walk. That's exactly what happens to every child of God. When you have an encounter with God, you leave with a new name. There's a new name written down in glory, and you should leave with a new walk. It might not be a perfect walk, but it'll be a different walk than you had before you had that encounter with God. God changed him. Then God crowned him. I like that Genesis 32, 28. Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel for as a prince, thou hast power with God. See, if we're not careful, here's what we think. We know that he's the God who directs to the invisible. We know we have to walk by faith. We know he's the God who does the impossible. But we don't think he can work with us. Because we're so imperfect. We begin to give our list of excuses. Well, I can't do this and I can't do that. And Lord, you know I messed up here. And Lord, you know I have this in my background. And Lord, I've done this. And God says, that's not what I'm interested in. I can take a crooked stick and draw a straight line. I can take a broken reed and sound a clear note. You see, it's not what you are. But if you'll take yourself and put yourself in my hand, I can deal with the imperfect. And no matter what your flaws or your imperfections or your shortcomings are, I, if you'll let me, I can take you and I can make something great of your life. Here's what God wants you to remember about him. He said, this is my name and this is my memorial. God said, when you think about me, here's what I want you to think of. I direct to the invisible. Trust me. I do the impossible. Believe in me. 
I deal with the imperfect. Surrendered. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.